Welcome to another episode of the BJ Fight Gear Lockdown Talks. My name is Misha and I'm here with my co-host Jan van Haperen, also known as... Human Forklift. In the house. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, if you like these episodes, if you like our show, make sure you subscribe to the channel, The Gee Experts, to see more of it. And if you have a comment, please leave it down below. Let us know what you think of the of this show, the interviews, or let us know if there's somebody specific that you would like to see interviewed. Now, many people are dreaming about becoming a full-time competitor or opening their own jiu-jitsu academy, gym, because there's little money to be earned as a, to be earned as a jiu-jitsu competitor. Uh, and there's also no government support in many countries. It can be pretty hard to balance training, work, study, competition. Today we talk about this with Daniel de Groot. Daniel is a European and Brazilian IBJF no-gi champion and has spent a lot of time training in Brazil with his team, the House Fight Company. Daniel, welcome. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Good to be here. Um, well, our show, The Lockdown Talks, we talk about the lockdown, your life during the COVID-19 lockdown, but also, of course, other things that uh, that keep you busy and that you are known about. Um, to start off with, how is your life right now and how is it different from, let's say, the normal life? So um, it slowed down a lot because um, usually I spend like five, six hours a day on the mats, teaching classes, training myself, private classes. And now, uh, of course, I can't. So I do have a lot of extra free time on my hands. Um, and, but I like normally I fall into like a gap. I don't know what to do. But since the lockdown started, I've been pretty busy. I've been working uh, on my strength training, uh, doing a lot of kettlebell. Um, I've been uh, working on my skill set. So uh, I did a, a digital course from Google. Uh, I'm working on my Adobe Illustrator uh, things. I'm making a lot of videos. So I do have a lot of extra time now on my hands, but uh, yeah, I can't wait to go back to normal so I can do some uh, some real training. Yeah, yeah. Because what would a normal day look like for you, like outside of the lockdown? Um, so usually I train from 10 to 12 in the morning, and then I usually have a private before and or after that uh, training. So two hours of jiu-jitsu and then one or two privates. Then I go home, have lunch. Um, if I have some energy left, I'll try to make some videos, try to make some content, write some blogs. And then uh, in the evening, I'm either uh, training myself or uh, teaching or teaching privates. Depends yeah. a little bit on the day. It, it, the, the way you say it, it's probably a lot of work altogether, but the way you say it, it sounds pretty relaxing. Is it, is it <laughs> like that? Is it, do you feel hey, the jiu-jitsu lifestyle is really, it's, it's relaxed? Um, and... Yes and no, because um, it's like I don't have to work like a nine-to-five job, which is uh, eight hours nine hours Officially. of work um i just have to work like five to six hours per day but um the work that i do is very intensive so uh intensive intense intense so um like after training and teaching two privates i'm totally done for so then i just need to sit down uh, watch some stupid cooking shows or something i'm not very productive at words so um i do what i love and um i don't have to work for a boss and i don't have to spend like hours and hours in the office but it is uh like it's uh, heavy for the mind and for the body as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I can, I can see that. Well, you are um, basically living the life that a lot of people, I guess, that are training jiu-jitsu are kind of looking at. Like, I would really like to do that. Just, it probably seems like all you can do is do jiu-jitsu all day and have fun and training. But, of course, <laughs> uh, you have to do certain things to facilitate that kind of lifestyle and to be able to do that. And, and you were doing yeah. uh, able to do that quite successfully. 
um, but you also did it while not being some kind of uh, world champion black belt or something or coming from a very famous team uh, you were relatively lower belt still when you really started out on this journey um, in the Netherlands with not necessarily a, a big competition team or anything behind you how did you work your way to doing jiu-jitsu full-time um so it's like gradually like uh um i started out just as a hobby um and then when i was studying i didn't even like train too much like maybe two or three times and slowly as i got a little bit more into it i got a little bit better i started training more um i started training every day um then i got into contact with my coaches i went to brazil and um they showed me like how to to really live off jiu-jitsu, how to be a, a full-time competitor because my coaches, they are a very high-level black belt. Uh, Thiago has won Nogi Worlds at black belt. Uh, Palito is constantly on the podium at Pan's Worlds. So um, like I see how they live. And um, I think both consciously and unconsciously, I'm like emulating them. So uh, I try to live their lifestyle. And then when yeah it's, it slowly started to become more and more and since maybe two years um it's my main source of income so i quit all my side jobs and uh, i fo- decided to focus on jiu-jitsu and um like there was a moment uh, i remember i was talking to tiago my coach in brazil and he was uh, explaining something to me like yeah if you run a gym you have to do this especially if you want to live off jiu-jitsu like you do like hey he's right i actually want to live off jiu-jitsu so that was uh like i was just i was living like the jiu-jitsu lifestyle but i didn't really enter my mind yet that i could do this for a living um but that's when it really like clicked and i i saw like okay i can do this uh for a living i can, I can make it work yeah if yeah. i work hard cool and and what um uh, if of course living off jiu-jitsu uh that's probably pretty clear depends of course on how much money you need to get by but if mm-hmm. you talk about be doing jujitsu full-time what's what's your definition of that because i've heard people that say i i I train full-time and that just means they don't do anything else besides their training which is maybe an hour a day yeah for me it really is a full-time job so um like even now i'm spending like lots of hours on 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 jujitsu so either making videos writing content about jujitsu um uh studying uh jujitsu instructionals studying matches um so it's that and um but I have to be honest, like, I don't need a lot of money. Like here, um, since I started traveling to Brazil so much, I moved back to my parents' place because I didn't want to, like, uh, under-rent my, my place every time. When I'm in Brazil, I can stay for free because I help teach the classes and uh, I don't have a lot of expenses. Yeah. Um, but I do make a, like, a, I could make a nice living of it, uh, of it but I'm saving up uh, for my own gym so I don't, like, I try to spend as little as possible. But nice. right now, um, without the, the epidemic, I, w- I would be able to, make like a decent income with jiu-jitsu and, and what uh you, you talked a little bit about this but i don't know if you if you want to share that but what's your main source of income is it the, is it privates or i think it's private like it's uh depends a bit on the on the month but usually uh it's like uh, a part uh, teaching classes and part uh, like a, a big part is uh, private classes as well yeah 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 and sometimes cool. i do like extra things like courses for uh for high schools, uh, I did a course for the Hogeschool Rotterdam uh, about conflict management. Uh, now I'm teaching a big group of kids in uh, in Leiden, so I do have some extra things as well. But usually, privates and normal classes are my my main source of income. Right, cool. And, and uh, you are 
you basically established yourself a little bit in the past years also as a, a sort of a Brazil expert, I would say, especially in this part of, of the world, of Europe, mm-hmm. uh, as being one of the few people that spent, well, maybe just spent time training in Brazil, uh, period, but especially spending so much time there uh, yeah. for longer periods also. Um, you have uh, you have a successful YouTube channel uh, that you work on, and and you do a lot of content about about training in Brazil. Could you maybe take us through a little bit how that got started, how you went there, and how it was for you the first time, and how it is to live there for people coming from here? Um, so I was still doing my bachelor's, I think, and like all my friends were doing like gap years or like long trips to Southeast Asia, Australia, like working and traveling. I was like, yeah, I want to I wanna travel a little bit too, see something of the world. And then um, it ended in my mind that I should maybe go to Brazil because that's where my sport came from. And uh, I, I thought it would be cool. So um, I booked that when I was uh, like almost finishing my bachelor. Uh, I went to Brazil. Um, I just like like basic things. I thought, oh, he should have the best Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I'm already training at Checkmat here. So I'll just train at Checkmat there. Yeah. And um in Rio, it was uh, pretty easy to fit in as a gringo because there were a lot of other foreign uh, people there. And um, Hiko Vieira, the coach there, he always teaches the technique in Portuguese and English. So it was quite easy to follow. Um, but when I told some people that I was going to Brazil, one of, the, uh, one of my coaches from back then, uh, Manchinha from London, he, he said, no, you shouldn't go to Rio. You should go to Santos instead because there the training is really good. Uh, Tiago's there, Gabriel's there. And uh, you're going to like this. But I was having fun in Rio. And then uh, I decided, I'll I'll have a a try. I'll just go there. So I took a bus, like 10 hours or something, to go to Santos. And when I got there, uh, like, I felt at home immediately because the coaches, they were, like, really helpful. They paid attention. Um, Like, they they were always watching me roll. And like, no, no, you should do this and this. Maybe you should try this and this. Um, But they also uh, didn't speak English with me. So... Uh, they just threw me in the deep. Like, ah, you're in Brazil now, you're going to have to learn Portuguese. Um, which I'm very grateful uh, about because now I speak uh, Portuguese. And how how well is it right now? Do you, do you Are you able to order food? Or are you like, uh, you can talk about politics and space exploration? or <laughs> Space exploration, not yet. But I don't even talk about that in English or Dutch. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but like, it's it, it, uh, evolved gradually. So the first time I could kind of follow a class second time I could follow a class and have like basic conversations third time I could have like normal conversations fourth time I could start joking around a little bit I got a, a little bit of the sense of humor and now I can teach like full classes in Portuguese uh, I can discuss politics uh, yeah now, now it's at a pretty decent level I still have an accent of course but um, yeah. yeah I can communicate with most most people yeah you mentioned humor how would you describe the Brazilian sense of humor <laughs> I don't know about Brazilians as a whole, but um, like my uh, that's also my Portuguese is like I learned it in the gym with a lot of tough macho guys. So when I yeah. started dating Brazilian girls, I had to like unlearn a lot of curse words and I had to learn like different <laughs> ways to say things. <laughs> like, no, no, you can say that <laughs> with my parents. I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> sorry. But is it? Um, did did you feel that that was one of the most difficult things early on to like really fit in with the group? Like. Uh, sense of humor, uh, language. Yeah. Um, well, the first time I already, like I came in with the mind to travel and to train a bit, but um, I liked it so much that I just decided to train every day. And um, like in the last week, I did all like the touristy stuff. But before that, I 
was just training every day and too tired to do anything else. And then um, every time I came back, um, I became a, like a closer part of the team. So the first time I was just a, like a client, a paying client. Second time I was already more part of the team. I went to the competitions with the guys. And since then I've started teaching there, uh, helping out with the classes. Um, and it's like slowly I became a, a part of the team. And now like everybody there knows me. Um, all the parents know me, all the kids know me. And uh, like I'm really part of the family. Yeah. And is it, is it, um, is it difficult not to get distracted? I, I guess if you live in Rio, there's so much things to do there, especially <laughs> if you're not from that part of the world and there's still a lot to explore, uh, nightlife, but also tourism and nice foods that you haven't tasted before. Is it difficult to, to keep your focus on training? Not for me. Um, I'm very addicted to training. So um, I, and I'm, I'm very uh, routine focused. So if I have a training routine, I, I get there has to some happen something really bad for me to not train. Um, I have to be like injured really badly. And if you train so much, you don't even feel like going out or uh, partying too much because your body and your mind, they just can't handle it. So for me, it's always quite easy to, to stay focused. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, well, when you, uh, when, you, when you were there for a while, you started also competing in Brazil, as you just mentioned. Could, can you talk a little bit about that? Is it different than competing here in Europe? Yeah, it's super cool. Um, it's way more uh, an event like here in the Netherlands. Uh, people go to a competition to see maybe their, their son or their nephew fight and then they go back home. But in Brazil, like people are watching the fights, like all of the fights. So if you do well in competition, people are, are seeing it. So um, yeah. in, I was in like my first trip at, at the, the end of the trip. I won my first competition in Santos. And like, I was walking back to my coaches and like people from the audience were, were, were like uh, complimenting me for the fight. Saying, hey, man, Gringo, nice job, man. <laughs> Good job, Gringo. <laughs> Great nice. fight. Um, so it's like people are, are there more for the jiu-jitsu, not just for the one person they, they came to see. Yeah. Um, and why do you so think it's a little that bit is? More tense. Um, I think jiu-jitsu is a bigger thing there. So more people know about it and um, they're more into it than uh, they are here in the Netherlands. Yeah, so it's more like people go and watch a football match or something. Uh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Cool. And um, is of course, everybody has their own uh, way of, of training and competing, but do you feel the spirit is different at competition? Do people go harder at it or is it, is it different from here? The level's a bit higher. Uh, because in Brazil, just more people train jiu-jitsu. I'm an old guy with, uh, with a family and a and full-time job. But if you go to the big ones, there's always going to be like the top, top dogs that are winning worlds, that are winning uh, the big tournaments. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's not here as in the Netherlands where I have to like fight two, three divisions up sometimes to, to find an opponent. And then uh, they are not like full-time competitors in Brazil. There's always people in your division. Uh, whatever your level cool yeah um well you you after a while you really started winning some uh, some major competitions over there and then you kind of uh you stayed on a roll when you got back uh here in europe as well so you uh, became european nogi champion um how how was that for you how, when looking back how did that kind of evolve um, did, did you feel when you got back from Brazil, like you really made a quantum leap when you got back here in Europe? Just, uh, there's no, like my coach always says, there's no secrets. 
just showing up to training every time and uh sometimes you have a good competition sometimes you have a bad one um and Brazilian championships I had a really good competition I was really on a roll I was um had a really good mindset um the people I fought I fought a really good guy um who is a I think a blue belt he won worlds as a rooster weight uh Mauricio but his game is like very a very good fit for my game I fought him in the final um so like all the, the factors match together and then um of course as a European guy my my big goal was winning European so I trained really hard for that um and I managed to win that as well but there's no like there wasn't like one thing that clicked or something it's just constantly training uh, really hard every day uh, yeah. and having the right people by my side so good training partners great coaches uh, that really helps makes sense awesome um you are now a bit more kind of shooting roots here in the netherlands uh, settling down of course i imagine you're still gonna go back to brazil to train but you have big plans now for opening your own academy which uh yeah we here we've been working with you for for a while we're very excited excited for you as well um could you tell us a bit about opening your own academy uh how you look forward to that and uh What's, what, what are your goals mainly uh, here in the Netherlands? Yeah, sure. Yeah, so um, I'm using this time as well with the pandemic to, uh, to prepare myself for this. So uh, I already spoke to you, of course, and I'm speaking to a lot of uh, people with uh, good running gyms in the Netherlands, people that I admire, and I've been getting uh, great advice. So try to prepare as well as I can. And uh, yeah, I want to open up a big gym here. Um, like really focus on jiu-jitsu, not be another uh, MMA uh, gym that's also teaching jiu-jitsu i really want to like use jiu-jitsu in the, in the broader sense yeah. um make jiu-jitsu grow in the netherlands uh create tough competitors and uh yeah like really use every part of jiu-jitsu to uh to create a, a beautiful beautiful gym and uh, cool. that's what i was working towards i was saving up a lot uh, this year so not spending not traveling too much uh just trying to save up for the gym and i was planning on opening uh, my gym next year but then uh this virus came and uh yeah, it's all a little bit slower now, but uh, I, yeah, so I want to try to open up my gym next year. Yeah, do you, do you have a name yet? Is it gonna be the Grow uh, BJJ? I do have a name, but I'm gonna uh, keep a that secret, secret for oh, yeah. a bit more. <laughs> yeah. Well, looking forward to hear that. Um, the um, what do you think your your uh, your gym is gonna? Um, what does it add to the existing? jiu-jitsu landscape uh, here in, in the Netherlands or in the nearby countries? Yeah, so uh, what I said, like here, jiu-jitsu is still very much coupled to, to MMA. Like people want to train MMA and then they just settle with jiu-jitsu. Mm -hmm. uh, but what I saw in uh, the USA and in, in uh, Brazil as well is that jiu-jitsu is more of a, like a separate sport and I want to really like sell jiu-jitsu as a sport on its own. So um, take away that uh, like cage fighting uh, idea of it and like really use it to to help kids, help women as well, um, like help people that would otherwise not enter a martial arts gym to to share the benefits of jiu-jitsu. So I really want to bring it to uh, as much people as I as I know because it helped me a lot uh, with a lot of aspects of my life and I think uh, more people should uh, yeah enjoy that. And of course, I want to make some badass competitors and start winning a lot of shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's going to be a killer team over there. Yeah. 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 Um. Well, my uh, my co-host, uh, the human forklift, Jan, he um, he has some <laughs> Thanks particular for not telling questions. My, uh, nickname, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> but but Jan, uh, um, he has a very interesting topic also to talk about with you. Uh, and well, let me uh, 
yeah. that's the word to use. You can introduce oh, yeah. it yourself. I wanted to talk about your foot locks and guillotine uh, and uh, how to become good at a particular technique. Mm -hmm. um, so, like, your foot locks are really good. And how did you come about that? And how does someone get good at a particular technique in general? Good question. Um, so, oh, good question. Um, so for, for the both, um, it developed like differently. Um, the guillotine I learned when I was uh, injured for the first time. So I had a few weeks I couldn't train and I started watching uh, Marcelo Garcia's uh, DVDs and he was explaining the guillotine and then uh, I was watching it. Then when I came back to training, I was trying out, trying it out. That was the first uh, submission I started to get uh, better guys with. So from there I started uh, just keep doing it, keep doing it. And uh, now I'm doing the guillotine way different than I, than I did before. Um, but like that was the, the thing that made me work on it more because I started to have a success when I was uh, a beginner and then I started developing uh, the move a little bit more. With food looks the same, basically, uh, a little bit different. Um, like I had some food look success, like kind of a little bit, but I wasn't really good at it. And then um, my coach Tiago, who is really good at food looks, uh, he food looks some of the best in the world, uh, Josh Inger, Robert Satoshi. Um, he came to the Netherlands and he taught a food look seminar. So that's where like everything clicked in my mind. And since then I've been like food a lot of people. Um, like after that seminar, I uh, like for the whole year or something, I, I think I food looked every, at every tournament I food looked somebody. Um, so the food look, I really learned from him. The guillotine, I developed a little bit more by myself. Uh, but yeah, same thing, just do. Um, that fits with your body type. Um, like you can't do a move that your body is not uh, made for. Uh, so if you like, if you have like really short legs, don't focus on the triangle. Try to find something that works for you for your body type, and then just focus on it. Try to get better at it. Uh, find a solution every time somebody um, gives you a problem. So let's say with a foot lock, I have a problem every time somebody turns in. I have to find a solution for that. So I either roll with him or I go to his back. So every like small counter you have to find a counter counter to and that's how you get better so you have to train really uh, consciously um, and try to remember where your move went wrong that's how you get good at any move yeah it makes sense and uh, when you divide your training to get really good at a particular technique do you focus mostly on like drills specific sparring or do you just roll all the way through all the time uh, recently I've been doing a lot of specific sparring. So, um, I would have like, uh, one or two people I like to train with and then we just do specific. So usually we start from the back, um, and then try to finish from the back and then you start defending the back, uh, three minutes, three minutes, and then you go to the next position you want to work on. Um, usually, uh, I split it like I pick a position, you pick a position, I pick a position, you pick a position. So we can both work the things we want to work on. Um, and then of course a lot of free sparring. And in the free sparring, I still try to go for like the moves I, I want to work on. So you don't do that many drills, you, you would say? No, only when I, like I learned a new move, uh, when I watched the uh, instruction or something or saw something in a match, I will drill it a few times before or after the training. Uh, but I think to really learn a move, it doesn't help too much if you just drill it. You need to try to apply it in a, in a certain position. So you can do like specific sparring from a position where you can easily get to that position. But uh, like actual, like... Uh, what do you call that cold drilling without any resistance um, it's not something I do a lot no, no I agree 
it's uh, it's not that effective. Um, yep. When when you start training a specific technique, do you try it out against a tough opponent right away, or do you build it up and try it against a lower belt and start perfecting it and work your way up? Um. Yeah, so um, my training is really divided in uh, the place where I am. So when I'm in Brazil, I'm basically just using my A game, surviving against the tough guys and uh, trying to, to win every role. And here in the Netherlands, I'm a little bit more loose because I have uh, like more lower level opponents. That's when I develop my techniques. In Brazil, to be honest, I don't learn that much new techniques. Like I don't add a lot to my game. Like, of course, small details. And uh, sometimes I see a move that my coach does and uh, I apply that to my game. But The main thing is like learning the small details for scrambles, that kind of stuff. So um, like the techniques you don't put on a DVD, but uh, like the, the invisible jujitsu, maybe you can call it. I learned that a lot from my coaches, from rolling and uh, like their advice. Um, and in the Netherlands, I like develop new things. And then uh, I, how do you say that? Like I strengthen them in Brazil. So that's where I test them against a really high level. And I think that's a really good balance for me. Um, also with the intensity of the training here, it's a little bit calmer. In Brazil, it's a little bit heavier. So I periodize my training uh, like automatically because of the place that I'm in yeah so in Brazil you learn how to fight jiu-jitsu and in the Netherlands you learn actually doing like jiu-jitsu the technique yeah I learn how to play jiu-jitsu <laughs> <laughs> and it helps because uh, like the guys in Brazil I'm the only guy that trains every train every day twice a day um, because my body gets some rest when I'm in the Netherlands the other guys are doing the same thing the whole year and then they like their body can't hold it up but I get like I get uh, higher and lower intensity months throughout the year yeah and uh what, what would you advise a beginning white belt that really likes a specific technique and wants to focus on that specific technique would you like advise them to focus on drills or specific training more obviously like you like specific training more but maybe for a beginning white belt it's it's a bit different for a beginning white belt um like it's tempting to just focus on one technique but um i did the same uh Everybody just wants to, in the beginning, you just want to win. But it's really important to really focus on the basics. Uh, it's very cliche, but as a white belt, you should learn how to defend yourself, um, learn the basic positions. You really want to build a, a fundament for your for the rest of your game. So I wouldn't like spend too much time focusing on one position. Of course, if you if you already know a little bit of the basics, there's white belts and white belts. Uh, if you're a little bit more advanced white belts, you can really focus on that move, try to apply it in uh, I, w I would prefer specific training if you want to specialize in it you probably already know the basics so you don't need to drill too much but you really want to be conscious about uh, the counters your opponents give you uh, and find counters for that so more specific training um, but the main thing you should focus on as a white belt is just listening to your coach uh, hopefully you have a good coach um, that teaches you the basics and uh, gives you like a good idea of jiu-jitsu as a whole not just that one move you want to get good at yeah so white belts don't bother with a single technique Yeah, it's hard. Uh, just focus on the jiu-jitsu as a whole. You, you, like, the, the, the better I get at jiu-jitsu, um, the more I know, like how little I knew when I was a, a beginner. So you really want to, like, don't take any shortcuts. Just focus on the basics. Uh, like, the, the, yeah, the more advanced I get, the more I see that now. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, we got some questions from, uh, from some followers on social media. Mm -hmm. The first question is from Caviti38. How do you get a sponsor? How do you get a sponsor? Um, um, I think for me, it was like a, a good a combination of circumstances because uh, you guys were just starting the Fuji Euro brand and um, I knew some people within the team. Uh, Martin just got in with the team. So um, 
like it was a little bit of a, a happy coincidence. But I think the main thing is uh, showing up in competitions, uh, actually winning competitions, and uh, like being a, a nice and open person. Uh, you don't want to be like a like if I win a competition, like a local competition, but I'm I'm an asshole. I don't talk to anybody. I um, you know I cheat or something. Um, nobody wants to like be connected to me as a as a personal brand. But if you're a nice person, if you talk to people around the competition, uh, if you shake hands, if you're like an open, uh, nice person, it's easier for companies to to see that, um, and you'll have a better likable factor, and they'll uh, it'd be easier to find a sponsor. So just show up to a lot of competitions, be nice, and uh, if you start winning, people are gonna notice, and uh, probably also the right people. Yeah, the the next question is from uh, David for ZA, and you already talked about it a bit. He wants to know what are the fundamentals that you believe every white belt should focus on first? Mm. So first you should uh, like start, understand the position of Jiu-Jitsu. So you want to know what's bad, what's good. So you don't want to have anybody on your back uh, and you don't want to be on top, that kind of stuff. You want to learn to defend the most important positions and you want to have a few offenses from uh, the most important positions as well. And from there you can start developing your own game. Uh, you can start developing half guard, open guard, that kind of stuff. But The main thing to focus on, especially in the beginning, are the, the big positions. Yeah, like the defensive positions, you mean? Like, don't get yeah, past, mount, for example. Mount, control. Uh, yeah, yeah, makes sense. That's uh, that's pretty good advice. Then uh, then I think it's time for some Shark Tank. Yeah, we have uh, a last part of the interview where we have some very brief questions. Uh, you can also give a, a brief, just the first thing that pops in your head up uh, when you hear the question, a few words or yes or no. Um, you ready for this? Let's go. I Let's was ready go. for Shark Tank. ADCC or IBGF? Ooh, right now, ADCC. Jokes or locks? <laughs> jokes or locks? Uh, jokes. Uh, favorite technique? Guillotine. Favorite competitor? Uh, Probably still my coach, Thiago Abreu. Nice. Favorite gi? <laughs> Fuji. Uh, I like the Super Idol for competition. Uh, Sekai for training. Cool. Favorite pickup line? <laughs> maybe maybe we can split it up between favorite pickup line in the Netherlands and favorite pickup line in Brazil. Do you think there's a big difference? <laughs> Um, so I don't need to use too much pickup lines usually <laughs> because I'm so blunt the girls come to me. <laughs> um, man, it's been a while since I used the pickup line. I don't go out too much anymore. Uh, usually it's like a very, um, like when I was going out a little bit more, uh, like a basic question, like what's your favorite color? Uh, what do you like to eat? Something like that. And then uh, start a conversation from there. Right. Pretty casual. Uh, yeah. What What was your toughest opponent so far? Oh, I was talking about this today with a with a friend. It was uh, Fabrice Andre. He won a uh, Europeans this year. He's extremely tough. Um, like he's, uh, I don't know if you saw him fight at Europeans. He uh, he passes like high level guards like it's nothing. He's very aggressive. Uh, super good kid. He's gonna become a world champion very soon at black belt. Uh, Brazilian girls. Nice. <laughs> Knee reaping in the gi. Uh, no. Best Brazilian you, food. If you fight, uh, uh, sorry. 
best Western food. Uh, feijoada, the black beans. Sounds good. Have to try that. Uh, who in your weight class would you really like to fight? Not really a person. I would like to like fight everybody that's um, going to do the ADCC trials. Uh, I don't really have a person that I uh, really want to super fight with or something. Or have a grudge against. Yeah, yeah. Well. <laughs> um, yeah, I, um, I know you're working on a lot of stuff online. Uh, your book. Um, what would you say is the best way for people to reach out or to know more about you? To read your materials, where should do? Is there a URL they can go to, or a, I don't know, like a, a specific thing they can search for? Yeah, I'm, I'm uh, mo most active on Instagram, YouTube, um, Facebook. I just repost the things I do there. Um, the Growth BJJ, and also my website, uh, thegrowthbjj.com. Uh, that's where you find uh, info about my private classes, uh, about training in Brazil. Uh, right, but mainly uh, my Instagram and my YouTube. That's where I'm most active. Yeah. Okay, we'll, we'll put we'll put some links down in the description of this video for people to click on. And, uh, make sure you subscribe also to Daniel's uh, YouTube channel and visit the website. Uh, Daniel, I would really like to thank you for your time and, and sharing your experiences, your knowledge, and uh, we're really looking forward to see your gym opening up. So keep us uh, keep us posted on that. Thanks a lot for having me. It was fun.